Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and okay, let me admit that I am a 34-year-old woman whose forever fave playlist is somehow just like a bunch of old, not great music from when I was in high school. <laughs> I am joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who has been listening too much to the title staff picks colon fall playlist, which is just a mix of some of my favorite great high school songs. Mm. What are the chances? I should mm. I should start listening to that. <laughs> On Matter of Fat, we talk about the cultural politics of fat liberation with a Midwest perspective. In this episode, we're comparing grind culture to diet culture, sharing a lovely interview with Lauren Barlow, and chatting about the inaccuracy of diets as a metaphor for financial fitness in the dirt and discourse. Yep, we're getting into all of that as, as a matter, matter of fat. Okay, so later in our interview with Lauren, we talk about rise and grind culture and how it's really not all that. Truly, it is not. And this got us thinking about a really widely circulated kind of Venn diagram meme thing comparing grind culture to diet culture, which, whoa, it feels like a very pronounced overlap. And then also it has us thinking about like other insidious pieces of our culture that interrelate with both. It just, it really got us thinking. Uh, and so that's what we're here to chat about. That's what we're going to talk about. And just in case you're not familiar with grind culture, I mean, you could change it out for hustle culture. Right. And there's so much to consider. But first, for those of you who haven't seen this Venn diagram, let us like paint you a picture. Let us describe it to you. Kat, do you want to do you want to paint a picture Shall with your I words? Begin? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so um, we have a Venn diagram, which is, of course, two like kind of interlocking circles. One circle is grind culture. One circle is diet culture. There are things like in their own individual circles that are unique to them. And then there are things in the middle that overlap that apply to both things. The image we're looking at is from, what is her name? E-D-A-D-H-D underscore therapist on Instagram. And it was like, oh man, a couple weeks back, it was really widely circulated. You might remember this. The circles are like kind of painted red um, and there's text that takes up the whole page. Where did you first see it? Uh, where did I first see it? Well, I think the Bodies on an Apology shared it. Um, hmm. And so I think, you know, the thing is, with when I say widely circulated, it's because, like, I don't know, for two days, it felt like every other story I looked at, someone had shared this. So they were sharing I was gonna it primarily say, from the Bodies on an Apology, but just, I mean, like, a million people around me have been sharing. How about you? I was going to say, I think it's widely circulated in our, like you know, the way we've set up our social media. So I don't know, actually, if everybody's going to have seen this, but I first saw it actually from a previous guest of the podcast, Alex Jack. Yes! On social media. Oh, Al oh so. Alex. God, I miss Alex. That great? Yeah, that's I so good. So. Um, yeah. And I don't know if we should read every word, but maybe I think we could read kind of like what's shared in the middle, like the parts of both of these um, types of culture that feel one and the same. Would that be I I think think a good place to start? I think we should read all of it. Yeah. And I, this is giving this is giving big like high school like you have to read each paragraph as you go around the classroom vibe. Okay, so how about we do this? Soya, you read grind culture, then I'll read diet culture, and then we'll do every other of the ones in the middle. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say we read both of the ones in the middle at the same time said- like we do with Matter of Fact. <laughs> um, no, ma'am. No, because no it would, I'm not editing yeah, that. Yeah, y'all, when we, talk in, not we that. need to tell the people, when we talk in unison, Don't. it's not unison. Don't. I'm on a delay. <laughs> uh, every time we talk in unison, Saraya has edited it to sound like we're talking at the same time. But every time we try, it never works. So It never um, works. Hey, to be fair, though, we did used to do it in unison when we were IRL. So Absolutely. Yes. That was that's the spirit of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. just have to do you know, some workarounds. Okay, so in true okay. like high school go around the room fashion, you want to start with grind culture? Yes. Yes, I do. Go grind culture. So productivity is worth. You get out what you put in. It normalizes burnout. It assumes everyone is willing to go, quote, unquote, above and beyond. Marginalizes people with disabilities and neurodivergence. And then for diet culture, um, in this Venn diagram, we have weight is worth. Whatever body type you have is earned. It normalizes disordered eating, assumes that everyone wants to be smaller, and marginalizes people in larger bodies. Okay. And then in the middle. The overlap. The overlap. The middle part. Okay. Rest equals lazy. Born out of fear. Relies on the willpower myth. Puts money into industries that profit off our insecurities. Oh, these are all just like boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Uh, It encourages hierarchy. Quote, unquote, no excuses. Is that the same as the next line? Oh, I feel like there's some, but it could be the same. No excuses based in white supremacy, which could interrelate or also both stand alone. Both and we're working Mm -hmm. with a Venn Mm -hmm. diagram. Okay. The faster, the better. And thrives on comparison. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So this just feels like so accurate. And I think um, the rapid nature with which it was shared by people in our circles make me think that many of us really saw the accuracy in this comparison. Yeah. Tell the people what came after it. For me? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. You mean on the meme. Okay. Okay. So. Yes. It's yeah. on the meme itself. Okay, yeah. So, um, so you know, is is on Instagram, right? We got the little swipe. Uh, and so after this was, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the popular meme uh, from The Office where Pam is like holding up two pictures and she says, corporate wants us to find the differences in these two pictures. They're the exact same pictures. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, the pictures are like crossover with like grind culture and diet culture. Um, and yeah. that just feels like a very accurate LOL. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's so interesting. I, I think I saw this on the very same day that I like listened on NPR to this like really good report about MLMs. You know, since that LuLaRoe um LuLaRoe documentary came out a couple, I guess maybe it's like a month or or so ago now. I've heard, especially on NPR, a resurgence of reporting on multi-level marketing, which let's be real, has been reported on for, you know, a long time. But I've just happened to, you know, like when I'm driving, there's a couple really good features that I've um, been able to listen to. And so on this day, I see this Venn diagram and I'm listening to, later that day, I'm listening to this thing. And it makes me think like, there are so many other cultures or like components of our culture that could be another circle in this very Venn diagram or like interrelate to either grind culture and or diet culture. Like I think that MLM culture and diet culture have just a huge level of overlap. (laughs) Huge. 
<laughs> that's where you get an herbal life, yeah, right? right? Like that's where. And, you then, and, and like, after, well, like yes and no. Like I think that like a Lularoe and and diet culture really like intersects a lot. But then like when you think that there are some MLMs that actually are like explicitly rooted in selling diet industry things, like that takes it honestly like blows my mind a little bit. It's just like so yeah, so one in the same. Hmm. I just I think so much of it if. Uh, maybe it's not its own circle in the Venn diagram, but I think of this like American individualism uh, ethos that we got going for us, like so much feeds into this, like bootstraps all the way. Like if you're not hacking it, it's because you're not good enough and you're not trying hard mm-hmm, enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fits in beautifully to both of these. Yes, it, it really does. So much about discipline and determination to be successful when we know that's not the well, case. And what was interesting is, you know, it's been reported that in, in MLM, so like in, if you're involved in multi-level marketing, only 1% of people involved in multi-level marketing report income on their taxes. Like only 1% of people are making money. And we know that a very small percentage of people who actively like work to intentionally lose weight through diet will keep weight off right so it just feels like even the statistics are comparable you know it's like really (laughs) similar to me (laughs) and and also I think too like there are things about um, MLM culture that have been kind of featured in some of these conversations lately about you know toxic positivity or um, I don't know like can you how do you describe toxic positivity? Because I know people who say it, yeah. and I'm like, I don't think that's what that oh, means. Oh, okay. But I'm curious, like, what is your definition? And of it? I actually, as you said, I don't know if my definition is like the going definition, so it's probably good that well, we're like interrogating this a little bit. Um, yeah. Because like, if I think y'all know, I'm a very positive gal. You know, like I I think that a positive <laughs> outlook is like healthy and good for me, um, and so something I try to employ in my life. You know, but. I think toxic positivity is like only addressing positive um, and essentially like gaslighting or like not acknowledging in yourself or others, like true, real negative things that are happening. Um, Mm -hmm. It also relates to this idea of like, well, you're just not trying hard enough. Like you're just like not believing in yourself enough or like, um, you know, when someone is on a diet and it's not working. When someone's in an MLM and it's not working, when someone's like hustling as hard as they can and it's not working out, like these systems are set up to fail. And so to only show up in a, from a place of like, oh, let's just like be positive and believe in ourselves. And like, if we don't succeed, it's because we weren't positive enough or because we didn't believe hard enough. Like, oh my right. gosh, like that is damaging. Um, so yeah, sorry, that's not like a quick a quick little, here's my no. one sentence definition, but that's kind of what I think of. Is that where your head goes as well, Soraya? Or what do you think? Yeah, no, you didn't need to have a one sentence, little quippy uh, elevator pitch for toxic positivity. I just wanted to make sure we are on the same page, uh, especially as we go further with this conversation. Right. But I think of the very much like good vibes only, oh, yeah. uh, which is kind of what you were talking mm-hmm. about, which honestly is the tagline for a lot of posts for MLMs, for diet culture, for anybody selling anything. And so I think that is a big red flag that comes to mind. Um, Or like, I don't know that there's shame in not being positive or like not having a positive mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, um, I I love a healthy sense of criticism in everything, you know? Um, And I think that when you are only focused on positivity in a toxic way, you don't allow room for like, you know, a critique of what's happening. 
Uh, you know, we've, right. we've said before, like, we can really love someone or something and also, you know, question what they're doing or, you know, an action or a statement or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that that needs to be allowed. And I I worry that like in toxic positivity spaces, those things aren't allowed. And then, I mean, uh, you know, to take it to another component of this, it's like there are structural inequities in our world that like legitimately Mm -hmm. keep certain people out of certain spaces and opportunities, et cetera. And so to not acknowledge that and just say like, oh, you didn't believe in yourself enough. You weren't being positive enough. Oh, my God. Like that is damaging. Yeah, you didn't manifest enough. Ugh. Okay, I do have another uh, circle for this Venn diagram. Yes, Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Cults, baby, oh. cults. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> as we were talking about this, like toxic positivity as a mindset, and also this idea that if you're not working hard enough, you're not applying yourself to the like criteria hard enough, then you're not really doing mm-hmm. it. Just immediately got me thinking of the Nexium. Do you remember that? Yes, um, yes, I watched that doc with, like, on the Hulu. Smallville girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I love the CBC podcast of it, but uh, the whole way that they got people in was like personality development yeah. and like kind of self-help and like how can you be a better person? How can you handle the world better? I feel like Scientology does a little bit of that as well, a lot of that as well. Um, and so, you know, I'm not trying to like – Not trying to be controversial and say religion in, in this, um, but uh, I'll just stick with cults. I'll just stick with cults for now. I don't know enough about religion to go over. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, I just, it's like all so insidious, yeah. as you said, this is a good, this is a good podcast topic to come out in Halloween. Cause it's a little eerie, yes. a little, yes. uh, yeah, it's scary. A good, it's a good, it is. And, and, you know, I think like something that MLMs and cults and diet culture, and also to some extent, like startup culture, like boss babe culture or grind culture, like something that kind of comes up in all of those in some capacity, is this like idea that if people around you aren't supportive, you cut them off, you limit your Oof. time with them, you limit their role in Oof. your life, like you you cut it, you cut them off, you know, if they're not here to support you. Um, and I mean, I, I, <laughs> if someone is not good for you, cool, please, you owe them nothing to, you know, remain in your life. But when we're getting to a place where it's like, we want to be cutthroat about the way we're um, getting rid of people in our lives who aren't like, I don't know, condoning bad behavior or like who express worry or concern about the kind of things that we're doing from, I just, again, maybe this is a fine line too, but that, um, those sort of feel like warning signs of something much, much, yeah, more eerie, uh, and, and not good for us. Okay. I have two thoughts. Yeah. First thought, very serious. Is boss babe culture the same as girl boss culture? <laughs> I actually would. I think that those are two Venn diagrams in and of themselves. <laughs> I think they're oh, similar, no. but not the same. And I have finessed oh. my views through years of Facebook yes, have. entrepreneurial boss babe groups. So I feel like oh I God. could say, you know, I so um, my answer is no, they are not one and the same, though they interrelate quite a bit. Gotcha. Well, I mean, if I was going to ask anybody, you are the subject matter expert. So that was my not serious question. My other question, let's see if I remember it. I was so obsessed with the boss. It was a good one. It was great. No, it was a marketing journalism one. I had a really good one. (laughs) Was it about like cutting people out of your life? Was it that related to what I was sharing with that? 
Absolutely. And so I think what's um ooh, what feels real, I mean, this isn't the dirt and discourse, but this feels real tense for me is like what we talk about on here a lot about, oh, is somebody showing concern for your weight? Like, do they actually know about your health? Do they know about that? And how some people might ascribe what you just described to like people who are figuring out body positivity or fat liberation. Fine line. It's a fine line. (laughs) Are we a cult? (laughs) I don't think so. We're not making any money. We're not like, well, apart from the generous donations and contributions from our listeners, but like nothing that would uh, put us on the same level as, you know, I don't know, any of the MLMs out there. Well, actually that leads me to something that like I can't shake which is a, a way that MLMs in particular, but then I also see overlap in diet culture and a lot of these other things we've mentioned. Like, I think people are just desperate for community. And I think that is one of the reasons why they find themselves joining MLMs. And what's so hard is that like when people, whether it be a cult or an MLM or even like, I don't know, is like Weight Watchers a cult? It sure feels like it. Like, um, it, a group like that, like, when the um, desire to, like, connect with people um, relates to some kind of, like, hierarchy where, you know, the people above you get money or acclaim or, like, you know, notoriety for, like, having good people under them. I just feel like there are gross reasons why people work to build community that are not actually community. You know, I'm I'm, Mm -hmm. like, I'm talking around this in a weird way, but like, it's a forced level of camaraderie. Um, And it just, I just find, I find it to be so sad. Whereas like on our end, it's like, Oh no, like we just want you to be happy, healthy people and feel good about yourself and your life and your body. And, um, and so come join this community, you know, uh, because we are not getting a percentage of what you are selling. (laughs) Right. No, that's, that's a good point. It's, it's very much not trying to get you to change your mind for the benefit of anybody but yourself. Um, but I wonder too, hustle culture, grind culture, feels very independent to me and like apart from community unless it's a consideration like I am an echelon within society maybe I don't know no I do hear what you're saying I think that there are elements that are both very individual and also elements that are like um I don't know like get a couple business owners together you know oh my god be a fine law on one of these hashtag boss babe facebook groups and you will see like (laughs) the community that's being built there um but like almost in like a competitive way and some I don't know it's all like very weird let's just call it capitalism and go from there yep (laughs) and there it is So yeah, I mean, this feels like God. This this little convo got very dirt and discoursey, and wouldn't you know it? We have a whole uh, dirt and discourse after our interview with Lauren. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, but what's what's funny is that this kind of conversation we've had is very scary, in my opinion, and like mm, feels uncomfortable. The interview with Lauren is just the opposite. Oh my goodness! I would yes, say. yes, yes, yes. Also, before you take a take in this interview, you we just want to remind you that we 
recorded this a while ago. So we talk about um, like getting COVID vaccines and some things that really kind of date our conversation. So just know that when Lauren's sharing that information, that that was set uh, much earlier in this year of 2021. Lauren, we're so happy you're with us today. Hello. So we're going to start out by asking you what we ask everyone on our podcast. Um, Lauren, what is your story as a matter of fat? Uh, I've been thinking about this for a minute and I'm just like, all right, let me meditate on what fatness means to me. Mm -hmm. And with COVID and quarantine, I feel like being stuck at home for so long without a plan forward. I had a lot of time to just sit with my body. Mm. I had a lot of time to give gratitude towards my body for keeping me alive during a pandemic. And it just made me start to think like, when did I start even hating my body? Mm. So I was thinking, thinking, sitting at home, you know, trying to keep myself busy, (laughs) like all of us in early (laughs) quarantine. And I just realized fatness was always weird. It's just me existing. Like, I don't realize I'm fat until someone else says it or like something else acknowledges it. So it's just, it's very bizarre to me. It's just like blackness. Like I don't think about it every minute of every day. It's just Mm -hmm. how I exist. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't trying to be revolutionary in my existence. I just want to exist in peace. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, as, as I thought about it, I was like, well, I look like my mom, who's, I guess, fat as well. But I didn't know I was fat when I would leave my house because at home I would watch like the Parkers. I would, you know, watch That So Raven. I would see myself in living single reruns and just my culture was enveloped in a larger Black woman. Like, that's just what I knew. So just going out into the world is what was very bizarre to me. And of course, you start to notice it as you get older when you're like trying to shop for clothes or advertisements not showing you, you know, school gym class, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) did not love, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, unhealed adults who were dealing with their own trauma and their own bodies projecting onto a child. Like, there's so much. So it's hard to know when you could just exist and be safe in your body and not have every wall up, but to find those moments is always so beautiful. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And and I guess I'm wondering, like, has your relationship to your body and your relationship to your identities, including fatness, like changed from when you were young, kind of going outside being like, oh, this is a little bit different than what I'm getting at home versus today? Yeah, I mean, I think it's taken a lot of time and acceptance to, after kind of being brainwashed as a child to not love yourself to come mm-hmm. to the realization that you do. And I just realized that I've always loved myself. I've always been pretty confident about who I am and how I look. It's just taking me a lot of time to project that into the world that has told me that it's not beautiful or it's not normal. And I think it's been a baseline for my confidence, just like I exist in this separate world where I'm this badass who looks Mm -hmm. like this, like a superhero, but then go out into the real world kind of in my disguise. I've been watching a lot of superhero movies for the past (laughs) few days. (laughs) I've been doing the Marvel marathon. So I've like 
talking about myself like a superhero, but it's cool, you know? <laughs> I love that perspective. And I think that's just like a really cool way to describe that. So it's perfect, in my opinion. <laughs> it is perfect. And I, I think what I'd be interested in talking about is some of the work you do, because you were talking about, you know, unhealed adults projecting mm. onto children. I love this idea of your own projections, like countering the projections of others being put onto you as you go into the world. So I wonder, I, I just picked up on your website. It's so beautiful. And you have Audre Lorde's quote, caring for myself is not self-indulgent. It is an act of political warfare featured prominently. I mean, would you mind sharing more about how this factors into your work in body and energy healing? Yeah. So honestly, I think COVID has really opened up a lot of doors for people. So I think I'll talk about it a lot. But for myself, just sitting at home, you know, you realize life isn't that rise and grind mentality that people keep talking about. Like, what do you do mm -hmm. when you can't do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who are you when you're not constantly working? Um, and it was just getting us to understand that what was normal is not normal. Like life isn't constantly about needing to achieve something or completing a goal or an assignment. What do we do in between then to even take care of ourselves? Mm. And, it, you know, it's all about the journey, how everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, previously our way of living just encouraged burnout. Like you hold it all together for five days and then the weekend hits and you can just crash or go crazy, whatever you choose, <laughs> mm -hmm. just to have a moment of life. And I think taking care of yourself is in that same wheelhouse. I mean, a lot of people feel guilty for taking care of themselves yeah. these days. I know for a lot of people of color, like if your ancestors were worked, you know, really hard as enslaved peoples, you may feel guilt for being able to enjoy the luxuries we have today. Or I've talked to people who are um, children of immigrants and they feel the same way. Like, why can I indulge when my parents didn't get this opportunity? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to just know that you are still deserving of rest and that it is a pushback against the society that is forcing nonstop work on us and thinking that capitalism and money are more important than our well-being. Yeah. And would you mind just telling us more, because now we have this beautiful idea of the ethos of the work that you do, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm wondering if you would mind sharing more about the type of work you do and how you got into that. Yeah, so I am a massage therapist and energy healer. Um, I've been doing massage therapy for, I think I'm coming up on nine years now, um, and I graduated from the Aveda Institute here in Minneapolis. And it's funny, <laughs> I ended up going into massage therapy after my own little mental breakdown at a four-year college. Mm. <laughs> um, and I was like, this isn't working. How can I take care of myself? How can I still be of use to other people? Like, And I just needed to slow down. Everything was going too fast. And that, again, rise and grind, get things done, keep it moving mentality was not working for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, massage therapy, it was hard because it was completely different from what I was doing. I was going to school as a musician. So <laughs> I was oh. just like, I'm actually just going to do something completely polar opposite <laughs> um, and ended up loving it. Originally, I was hoping massage would help me pay my way through college. But as I was out of college, out of the structural school system, I realized how nice life was that I didn't need to be in that kind of university to still learn. 
and to just be of use to society. Mm. So doing that for nine years, I've worked at all types of spas, with chiropractors, at festivals, um, doing all types of body work. And energy healing has been new to me. I've done it for the past, I want to say, three years now. And it's funny, my energy healing teacher, who is a Reiki master, was actually one of my first massage therapy teachers at the Aveda Institute. Oh, cool. Yeah. Full circle. Completely full circle. And she was always my favorite instructor to work with. And just years down the line, I always kept in contact with her. And I know if I ever had any weird, you know, energy things that would happen, if I picked up on other people's energy and I just felt off, I could message her at any time and she would answer really wonderful. For people who might not be familiar with energy healing, like what what is that? And how does that intersect with uh, massage therapy and then dissect from it? Yeah. So for me, it's taken me a while to figure out how I want to describe what I do because mm-hmm. you hear energy healing and that can mean so many different things <laughs> to yeah. so many different people. Like People immediately think you're a witch, you know, wooey and like, (laughs) what is that? Like, is my third eye going to be opened? Like, (laughs) am I going to have this transcendent experience? So I realized with the work that I do that I use the actual body's energy field. I don't do spiritual work because as much as that is needed, that is so individualized that I feel like we need to learn how to be present in our bodies Mm -hmm. and understand the energy of our bodies as well as doing that transcendent work if you choose to. So the energy within the body is just so important. It's what we do all the time when we give people a hug, get that embrace, you know, we feel people's energy. And sometimes our energy centers can be off. Your heart can be really blocked from sorrow and grief. Your womb can be blocked from stress, from not feeling grounded in who you are. Maybe you're feeling really unsteady in life. There are just so many different things going on within the body's energy that we just do not pay attention to. So I help people just cleanse that field, raise your frequency, if you've heard that phrase before. And I do it using musical instruments. So again, coming full circle with my background in music. I love that. (laughs) That is so cool. This is, this sounds just awesome. And I'm wondering like, um, if someone were to work with you, would they do like massage and energy healing work and the same kind of like, um, session or are those very different things? You can definitely do them together. I, book them separately through my website. So either book a massage or book an energy healing session. And of course you can do them in the same day as well, but they are separate sessions. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that just sounds so cool. And, and so this actually is a great um, segue into some info we were wondering from you. Um, if folks in our audience maybe haven't seen a massage therapist or energy healer before are looking for someone or like have booked in and are going for their first session, what kind of things do they need to know? Um, Um, especially if folks are fat um, coming into those environments. Yeah, so this is super important to my work. I am a fat person myself, and the massage industry has not always been welcoming. I mean, if people Mm -hmm. can't accept us out on the street, they aren't exactly going to know how to heal our bodies either. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're finding your healer, your massage therapist, know that it can take some time and that you're not going to connect with every single healer that you see, and that's totally okay. 
like if you get that vibe of like, "Mm, I don't feel like I'm being appreciated here or just something feels off, trust that and then just go with your gut and go somewhere else. Um, You're going to want to get a healer that pays attention to your body. I've heard too many times just people saying like, no pain, no gain Mm. when it comes to massage. And it drives me nuts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because when you get a massage, you want to relax typically. And I can't relax with someone's elbow digging into my back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like that it's painful. And a lot of times people leave with bruises from that kind of deep work. And I think you need a healer that can pay attention to when um, some of that pain within your body is literal, physical, or if it's mental as well. Hmm. We neglect the need for just physical touch and our body cries out in pain, just, oh, my arm hurts. You just need a hand on your shoulder for 10 minutes and it'll feel much better. I don't need to dig into your bicep. (laughs) And I think, you know, I pay attention to people's breathing patterns, just to how their energy is feeling coming off of the table. And you should have someone that pays attention to that. Um, Also, you should feel free to ask any questions. I know when people go in massages, it just feels so stoic and like you can't say anything. You like have to be this perfect statue and just lay on the table and don't move. But please ask questions like if you want to know the muscles we're working on. If you want to know what essential oil I'm using, like (laughs) any question at all, you can ask it. You set the tone for the massage. So if you want to be quiet the whole time, that's cool. You can either vocalize it or just don't talk as much. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk a little bit more during your massage, some therapists may be up for it, just depending on their energy for the day. And again, you'll find who works best for you. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all helpful. I just like can't wait for COVID to be a little more behind us to get back to massages. And for me, I've done acupuncture. um, And it's just like stuff that's had to go by the wayside during this time. Um, And Lauren, I'm going to have to definitely come see you once once things feel just just a little safer. I have my vaccine appointment this week. (laughs) So exciting. My first one. Awesome. I'm wondering, so you you did such a good job of saying like you are, you can be an advocate for yourself. Like this is your experience, like make sure to see how you feel about it. And if it's not working, you know, get out of there. But I'm curious, the flip side for you, what, what is your favorite part about creating that experience or environment for people who, who come to your practice? Yeah. So I think that Um, in many places I've worked in the past, there's always been a rushed feeling like I got to get my client in and out and ready for the next one, like Mm. pushing through the capitalistic machine. Mm -hmm. And I, for myself, I book an extra 30 minutes after every client to just either have time for us to talk or for us to just sit before or after a massage if you need it. I mean, Mm. it's time for you. What do you need in this time? Um, And I'm just going to hold space for whatever that need is. Um, we all need that. We're all like, you know, pretty tough, but it'd be nice for an hour to have someone completely care for your needs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's needed for everybody just to release and let go. Yeah. Yeah. So then what does that look like for you caring for yourself? You know, that's how this whole journey started. You realized that that traditional school system was not doing what it needed to do for you to thrive. Um, but like where you're at now, like what does self-care look like and, and how do you get space held for you in the same way that you are able to do that for others? 
I am still learning myself. Love <laughs> and, it. I love and it. And I think <laughs> it's a lifelong journey for all of us. So I yeah. think it's ever changing. And the minute you find something that works, <laughs> your body's like, actually, I want to do it this way. Yeah. Um, you know, just listening to myself, I guess being present. I don't know. This past year, again, with COVID, um, I've had to deal with grief a lot. And I think we all have, I mean, from just the loss of the way life used to be, being able to go out without masks and everything to, I mean, the police brutality that's been going yeah. on to Breonna Taylor. Like I've had to deal with grief and kind of the thought of if I'm not here tomorrow, have I enjoyed what I've done today? Hmm. And that goes with everything from working. Am I doing the type of work? that I want to do? Am I seeing the type of people that I want to see? And all of it is self-care. I mean, self-care completely is in everything we do, in every little thing we do. I know it's not just massages. It's not just buying bath bombs. It's not doing yoga. It's the fiber in which everything we do is connected Mm. from what we eat that's self-care to how we sleep. I mean, I love tapestries in my bedroom. That's a comfort to me. So that's self-care. I love to have, you know, my puppies by my side. (laughs) They help Mm -hmm. care for me as well. And just anything that brings you joy. Because if you aren't here tomorrow, what did you do today that you can say was nice, that you enjoyed? Mm. I love that. Lauren, you share in your Instagram bio that you're a tattoo collector, and we can see, of course, all these (laughs) photos of you and all of these awesome tattoos that adorn your body. Tell us about collecting tattoos. I've always thought tattoos were so cool. (laughs) They're just like, it's just artwork on the body. What can't you love about that? And when I started getting them, I just, <laughs> I'm going to make another superhero reference, but like when you get one, it feels like you've collected an infinity stone. Like <laughs> You feel powerful. Yes. You control reality now. Yes, yes. Like you feel so cool. And the more I got them, the more I realized I was showing off my body more. And I was oh. like, oh, okay. Like, that's kind of cool. I'm looking for clothes that just show off my skin in a world where, like I said, I always kind of have an armor up and I'm just, you know, not sure when it's okay to exist safely. Mm -hmm. So as I got more and more tattoos, I've just been showing off my body and it's really been so wonderful for my confidence. Um, And in each tattoo, you know, some people are like, do your tattoos have meaning? And some people may think it's silly, but actually all of mine do. And they're all nerdy tattoos. (laughs) I've got a couple Star Wars tattoos, Star Trek, Doctor Who, Avatar, The Last Airbender. My most recent one is Princess Peach. And it's just over the years, I've realized my tattoos represent me. What inspired me to be the person I am today? And I kind of get it tattooed. (laughs) That's so fun. Yeah. And then I've just started getting some floral pieces just to promote me to remember softness and to be delicate, (sighs) because that's something I think we all kind of forget as well. So I can look in the mirror if I'm feeling particularly stressed and just look at the flowers and just think how beautiful and just give myself a little pep talk through the art that's on my body. You recently got those um, like uh, mirror image chest pieces. The, was it like called one chest piece or there's two like two floral um, tattoos on your chest, right? 
Yeah, Beautiful. so it's like two bunches of flowers. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then the flowers that I picked, it's so funny. Everyone's always like, you smell good. And I literally never like do anything other than massage. So I'm always covered in essential ah. oils. Oh. So I got the flowers of the essential oils that I typically have. Oh. So like patchouli leaves, chamomile, jasmine, rose, oh. and lavender. That's beautiful. Oh, it's so cool to hear all this intention behind this art on your body. So cool. Yes. So many more that I want. <laughs> like the minute I get one checked off, I'm like, oh, I won't have another idea. And it pops in my head <laughs> 10 minutes later. <laughs> Kat has a beautiful tattoo that she's been doing a good job of featuring lately. I don't have any. Oh, it's my favorite accessory. Yes. <laughs> Especially what you were saying, Lauren, too, about like finding ways to show it off. But I'm wondering, what advice would you have for someone who hasn't gotten tattoos before or just doesn't know what to expect, especially if they're fat? Definitely. Again, to go with kind of a healer, find someone you're comfortable with and Mm -hmm. take that time to go through the artist's Instagram profile to get to know them personally. I've had people do that with my massage as well. They're like, I just follow you on Instagram and you seemed really cool. Like, Mm -hmm. let that be a reason you see your tattoo artist, your hairstylist. Like, they just seem like a cool person. Maybe they post about body positivity and you really like that. You see that they're active within being an ally. Uh, And with getting tattoos, I mean, I'm not going to lie to anybody. It is painful. (laughs) Like, it's we can't go around that anymore. (laughs) That, unfortunately, is the no pain, no gain. (laughs) That that rule adheres to that. It adheres here. (laughs) It feels like the best way I've heard it described is like, it feels like a cat scratch over and over again. Oh, I think it's worse than a cat scratch, but that's just me. Oh, really? I don't know. I'm just a little wimpy. And I, I mean, I guess it also depends on where they are. I mean, but you, Lauren, have had t- tattoos on so many parts of your body that really, like, I think we will, for our audience, we will let you be the expert. I just have a few much more than I do. I also just go into, like, this deep meditative state. Like, I can't really hold a conversation when I'm getting a tattoo. Because oh. I'm just like, I need to breathe really deep. I love it. I'm the exact opposite. It's like, let me just chat so I can take my mind off this. And all of a sudden, it's like two hours later. And I'm like, Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I've been talking incessantly this entire time. Oh, my gosh, I can't. (laughs) Well, okay, this is bringing me so much joy. But Lauren, what's bringing you joy professionally, personally, or both right now? Yeah, so I recently just moved into my own apartment. And I had one years ago, but then I moved in with my mom for a few years to save some money. And just being back on my own, this is something I've worked towards really hard, like super hard. And this is kind of that finish line that I was hoping to make it towards. And now I'm trying to figure out how to live life afterwards. So I'm very excited to live this life that I've manifested for myself. I work at a tattoo shop. I should have mentioned that sooner. (laughs) So I got out of retail, which has been the bane of my existence for years. (laughs) And like, I work at this cool local tattoo shop. I own my own business. And like, I have my own apartment with my two puppies. I feel really cool. (laughs) You are really cool. And now I'm at that point where, okay, how do I sustain this that I've built for myself? And what adventures lie ahead because now I'm kind of like all my essentials are down 
my roots are planted. What's next? <laughs> what a beautiful place to be. Yes, I'm so excited. Well, Lauren, you just mentioned too that you work at a tattoo shop, but like, how can the people find you? How can our audience find you either um, in person or online would probably be safer at this point in time in the world. But (laughs) um, yeah, where would you like people to find you? Instagram is the best. I'm usually most active on there. So my handle is millennial nomad. It's a good follow. I've been following you for years. Really? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Lauren, thanks for telling your story. As a matter of fact, Yes, of course. This has been wonderful. Oh, what a great interview with Lauren. Just so many lovely things that she had to share. So, of course, we got to talk about it. Uh, Soraya, what are some things that stood out to you in our interview with Lauren? Mm, I just... (laughs) First of all, that was a wild noise to make, but it was accurate. Like, I just enjoyed it so much that that's what was unbidden came from me. But I think so much in these interviews, we we hear people realizing who they are. Um, Like, we don't think about our existence until someone alerts us to it. And so a lot of times that comes up, you know, when people are young, when they're children, and then somebody says, oh, you're fat. And they have that first moment of, like, dissonance with who they think they are versus how they're perceived. And just Lauren had this amazing quote where she said, I'm not trying to be revolutionary in my existence. I just want to exist in peace. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yes. She had said, she had said like fatness is just me existing. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. It was just, that was very like powerful in its simplicity. So powerful in simplicity and very much like the energy that she brought to the conversation for us too. And I, I think she summed up in words what I want for everybody else. I just want people to be able to exist in peace, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of where mm-hmm. they're at, what they look like, how they comport themselves. Like, let us all just be in peace. And that's a big ask for the way our world exists. But she just has such a good way of, of putting it out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, what else? I mean, we talked about rise and growing culture already. Yeah, which we already sort of addressed. Mm-hmm. And and then I think that kind of moved into a great conversation about self-care. And another like kind of like I don't know, I feel like what happens a lot in these interviews is that people express things that like maybe it's like, oh, of course I knew that, but I just I hear it a whole different way. Mm-hmm. I felt like that happened a lot with Ben. And in this interview with Lauren, she said like I didn't pull the direct quote, but she said something about how, you know, our needs around self-care will change. And it's just like, you know, like what worked for you last year might not work for you this year. And it's really all about like listening to yourself and checking in with yourself and your body. And I really, um, I think I just like really needed to hear that. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then it was appreciative of, of those comments. Mm, yes. I'm getting really making a lot of noises this time around. I'm in deep agreement. I guess, I guess, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, like, to that end, she just had some fire thoughts around, like, unhealed adults projecting their own trauma onto others. Yes. And yes. then this concept of, like, how do we return to our original love for ourselves? So, again, mm-hmm. you know, where was that initial just, like, peace with ourselves or, like, just existing away from the expectations of others. And so the way that she kind of put it into is like, how do you take care of yourself to get to 
a level of that in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when she talked about how people feel guilty for taking care of themselves, especially like, oh my gosh, she said, I know for a lot of people of color, um, like if your ancestors were worked really hard as enslaved peoples, you may feel guilt for being able to enjoy the luxuries we have today. Or I've talked to people who are children of immigrants. Why can I indulge when my parents didn't get this opportunity? Oh my God. Gosh, yes, absolutely. It's very real. And that does come back to our conversation earlier about how like rest is being lazy, but like that narrative, especially for those types of folks, is just so particularly harmful and violent. And yeah. so um, just her work and the way that she engages with her work was just like so beautiful and such a good thing to consider moving yeah. through the world. Mm-hmm. Also, it was just really cool to hear more about her massage therapy practice and especially energy healing. That's like something I wasn't super familiar with. And I wonder if maybe other folks in our audience aren't really familiar with that. And so I really appreciated her kind of breaking it down for us. So we knew more about that. And like I said, then I will say again, I just really cannot wait to book in with Lauren because mm-hmm. I, the way that she talks about how like talks about her practice just feels like a place I want to be. Yeah. And I think for a long time, um, you know, I didn't seek these kinds of care for myself because I thought the practitioner knows everything. And so with the way they would engage with my body, um, I would feel ashamed or I Mm. might feel like uncomfortable because I am not, you know, whatever I expect they want to work with. So there's like a lot of assumptions on my end, but then hearing her talk about how like, yeah, you might not get along with every healer you work with and that's okay. And, you know, at its core, you should be with someone who wants to, you know, share Uh, a healing space with you. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so it's kind of like when we talked about medical care, like how can you advocate for yourself and also recognize that like not everything, everybody's going to be okay. And that's not your fault. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Wait, my favorite part. Can I share? Yeah. What was it? <laughs> what if you said no? No. Okay. So we talked about this a few couple episodes ago. Um, And it's like one of your – well, it's adjacent to one of your favorite quotes, which is a Phoebe Robinson quote. Do you remember that one? Oh, about how Phoebe talks about like, why am I doing all of this? Why am I working so hard? It's because I'm afraid of dying, if I'm being honest with myself, and how that just spoke to me so dang much. Yeah, yeah. So so Lauren gave us a reframe of that, where it was, if I'm not here tomorrow, have I enjoyed what I've done today? (laughs) Which is a very healthy reframe, one that I think I definitely need. Needed, need uh, continually. Yeah. I mean, yours isn't wrong. And also, I hope that you are enjoying some of the work that you're doing on a regular basis, yeah. even if it's born out of some kind of fear. So there's that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that reframe was really great. Oh, hey, it, it related to reframes. You know, when Lauren was talking about kind of her story about coming into massage therapy, mm-hmm. um, should I write this down? She had talked about like trying to think about oh this is what it was um she was talking about how like she was kind of thinking like well what do I do like for career and life and this and that but the way what she said was how can I still be of use to people Hmm. and usually we hear like how can I make money how can I have a career how can you know Mm -hmm. and I just thought that very intentional and I think twice she said that like almost exact thing and to me that just speaks to like such a deep um 
commitment to community and like a sweet way to center people around her Mm -hmm. versus like this capitalist pull that, you know, is, is, is pushing down on all of us. Yeah. And it also speaks to just like such a deep alignment she has with herself, right? Like to to understand that that's something that's important to you so that you seek that and prioritize that goal when there are so many reasons to not, I -hmm. think is just um, quite compelling, quite powerful Mm -hmm. yeah yeah oh so um as usual we hyped this interview up a lot and i think it delivered (laughs) lauren (laughs) had so much great stuff to share with us and we're just so excited to share her perspectives with y'all next we get into the dirt Dirt and and discourse. discourse it's time for the dirt and discourse This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. This episode, we're exploring the complicated and backwards way finance and business media, like books and podcasts, utilize diet culture to try to make their point. Okay, this is something that is often on my mind. And as much as I complain about it publicly and with you, Soraya, (laughs) I don't think we've dedicated a dirt and discourse to it yet. So here we are. Um... It's, like I said, often on my mind, but, like, feels especially top of mind because, oops, they did it again, hashtag Britney on the brain, Mm. Spotify's widely perceptive algorithm knows that I'm looking for more business and finance podcasts hosted by women, but it has unfortunately not gotten the memo that I don't want a side of diet culture with that content. Or one could argue that they actually do know that that's what I want. There's just like nothing that exists that they can serve to me without it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a new podcast was suggested to me recently and against my better judgment, I should have known from the title, but against my better judgment, I gave it a try. And in less than 10 minutes, they were talking about quote unquote good food and bad food and Ugh. trying to connect it to like a money mindset. Ugh, no, thank you. Mm-mm, not into it. Not about no. it. Mm hmm. I think, you know, what's hard, I mean, there's two things here that really bug me. One is the way diet culture just like seeps into freaking everything. (laughs) And it's just like really hard to be a human in the world and not encounter discussion of diets or weight loss um, and and how that creeps into yeah all things, but often like goals kind of conversations, business conversations, money conversations. But also how the parallels that they're drawing, like, are bad comparisons. You know, mm. most people who who diet, like, and, and happen to lose weight aren't able to keep that weight off. Like, we have, like, a you know, a, a 5% success rate, perhaps. Is that really the what you want to talk about when you're thinking about your, like, money mindset or your finances or your budget that only 5% of people are going to be able to follow through with this? Like, they're misguided comparisons. Um, and I just wish that that was more apparent to the people who are making them. Huh. I think that's just, I don't know. I, I felt overwhelmed with money things as many people have. And I think yeah. that's because there's so many voices out there telling you what to do and how to do it. And part of me aligns that with diets, right? Like mm-hmm. if there was a good way to do this, you know, you would know and there would be information on it. And if we were all one size fits all, like that's what it would be, but there's not. And so I think people are like just generally making off with it, you know, scamming them just like diets. I mean, we did that diet culture uh, mini soap last season 
Mm -hmm. And there are just so many wild diets out there. And it's like, who benefits from this? I mean, it wasn't it Kellogg's who was based on that or like uh, not Nabisco, but Graham, like the creator of the Graham crackers, like produced food so that people would get on their diet, get into their like healthy living experience. And so I just feel like that is one in the same with money. Um, mm -hmm. How can I tell you how to live, what you're supposed to do? And if you're not doing it right, Mm, that's your fault. You weren't disciplined enough. Yeah. Right. You weren't following the criteria. Yeah. I think that's a really, a really interesting um, point as well. It's just like, ugh, I don't know. It is. I, I also, you know, I, we can't forget that like fat people are left out of a, a lot of spaces and to think that like, and it's also documented that fat people make less money. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, well, I bet this is one of the reasons why. Because there are assumptions made, you know, like internalized assumptions and assumptions from others made about how we interact with money. Because the information that they're hearing about money, finance, you know, is relying on these comparisons to bodies. And it just feels, I don't know maybe there's more Venn diagrams we could use here of things that interrelate. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it immediately like transfers to what we were talking about earlier. Right. And also this is like, mm, it's not controversial for me to say this, but this word is really charged. We mentioned it earlier, but lazy. And yeah. to me, it feels very lazy for you to like talk about money and then relate it to weight. It's just mm -hmm. like you said, it's not, it's a faulty like foundation to assert your curriculum upon and it's it also just... not creative it's like exactly do, do better exactly. like be more like be more thoughtful say something that hasn't been said before and like you've done a lot more business reading I don't know about finance reading but um it's just like how much does this play into business conversations yeah I mean I think it like you I tweet about it all the time. Almost every <laughs> book I read about goal setting or money or business has some kind of comparison to diets in it. Yeah. Um, it, even, it might just be like a quick offhand thing. It might be something much more um, or much less subtle. You know, even my favorite money mindset gal who has her own issues to be Say sure. It. But like. Say it. What's the title? <laughs> oh, no. You no, no. To. Okay. I love the Get Rich Lucky Bitch books yes, by Denise Duffield Thomas. I listen yes. to her audiobooks when I need a little pick-me-up, a little motivational inspiration. She's not great, but she's also great. <laughs> um, she's the least bad person I found so far for money stuff, um, for me personally. And uh, But even she talks about diet stuff. And it's, thankfully for her, it's like a quick mention here, a quick mention there, and then we kind of keep it moving. Um, and that I have, I've learned that it's like, that's the best I can get, you know? Um, mm. It's really disappointing. Uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It is, um, we can't escape diet culture and it just feels like everywhere. I mean, this is not, not new news um, or not new information, but it's just like everywhere we go, we can't escape it. Um, and these this genre of media feels like it pulls on that even even more. Absolutely. And this is like a natural closing for the conversation. But can I give you a real life anecdote from a listener? Yes. Yes, I set that up to be more mysterious than it actually is. So um, friend of the podcast, mom, not oh. our moms. 
<laughs> mom, friend mom, who is a, a wonderful listener, but like I was texting with her and she's like, why is Noom haunting me? And you brought up the algorithm Ooh, earlier yeah. about how wildly predictive it is. And she was just trying to watch the Savage Fenty show on Amazon. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and this Noom <laughs> commercial keeps popping up. And it's talking about like this man who feels like he's a bad dad until he loses weight. Uh. He's a psychologist. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's like very well tailored for you. And she's like, I can't get away from this nonsense. No. Like, why does this keep popping up? And I think that's what it is because look at Noom. And we've talked about Noom so much, but now it's marketing on like the psychology of it all and like wellness but it's not far from anything that we've just talked about when it comes down to it goal setting um you know smart goals and whatnot and so i it's weird it's like all these things that we're talking about can be easily co-opted as tools Mm -hmm. to sell things or make you feel less than yeah uh to that end if any of you have good recommendations for books about small business entrepreneurship money and or finances that don't rely on weight loss examples that don't invoke diet culture dm me because i would love to give them a try books podcasts honestly anything um it just feels like it is so hard to find and i'm looking so let me know let me know what you got you know what this means cat what you have to write one Oh, I would, I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I think about that a lot. Like, I, it's like, gosh, you know, we've talked about this before, this idea of, like, create what you wish existed. But yeah. I'm still, I haven't, like, exhausted every avenue. Like, what I want, like, what I wish existed maybe does already exist. Um, mm. So I'm still looking Hence for it. Hence the action. Yeah, yes. but if I can't find it, that feels like a natural, a natural move, you know? What are you going to call it? Because Get Rich Lucky Bitch is already taken. So I don't know. I, won't, I will not call it Nothing that. else will be that no. good. <laughs> okay, shut it. Well, well, now's the time we say goodbye to you. Yes, you did it. Yes. <laughs> um, oops, I did it again with a musical outro, including two references to women powerhouse singers from our youth. <laughs> Wow. Um, thank you for that, Kat. Listen, y'all, this was a, I didn't see this before I, I started saying it. Kat didn't let me scroll down to look at our outro. This is, and so uh, our new little game, if you will. What can, I, <laughs> what can I make you sing on our way out? Hmm. I can't sing. So this is not fun for anybody in an auditory medium, but I think it's if- fun for everybody, but you, we will we'll agree to disagree. Okay. All right. If you want more from us, you know where to go. Find us on Instagram at, at MatterFatPod or on our website at www.MatterFatPod.com. On our website, you'll find show notes, transcripts, info about Matter of Fat, links to all of our socials, access to older eps, and more. Including info about Matter of Fat. <laughs> cash! If you love the pod and want to send some monetary support our way, get into our fat cash. Yes! We're on Venmo at Matter of Fat Pod, and you can find more info about fat cash on our website. This episode's fat cash shoutouts go to Rachel and Harry. Rachel, thank you for your generous contribution. And Harry, thank you so much for your continued support. We appreciate you both so, so much. 
We really and truly do. If you'd like to hear your name right here on our next episode, you can pop over to Apple Podcasts for a review or send us some funds on Venmo. And of course, both are never expected and always so, so appreciated. And that's what we've got for you, babes. We release episodes every other Wednesday. And next up is another chatty and fun fat dish. So chatty, so fun. And of course, all as a matter of fat. Matter of fat.